Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, in our Chiefs Wire roundtable, Mitch Carney, Talon Graff, and myself break down the big matchup against the New Orleans Saints on Sunday. Also, I have a special one-on-one conversation with rookie running back Clyde Edwards-Alaire talking about his partnership with USAA and his first season in Kansas City so far. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire managing editor Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, should Patrick Mahomes' three-interception game last Sunday be viewed as a concern or a minor hiccup? Call me crazy, Ed, but... I'm actually of the opinion that it's a good thing that this happened. I feel like it came at the right time, and and let me tell you why. Because this team here, they preach focusing on the challenges that are ahead of them on a week-to-week basis, right? They're not getting caught up in the stats or the media narratives and all of that jazz, but sometimes it's kind of, it's unavoidable, right? They're... If you throw no interceptions, you're going to know that you threw no interceptions for, what, 13 games, yada, yada. But you throw three interceptions and then, you know, it kind of brings you back down to earth a little bit. Because, you know, sometimes, and and I'd probably be guilty of this too, but I feel like Patrick Mahomes is maybe uh, too reliant on his natural ability, on knowing that, hey, I can make this play that no other human can possibly make. I can make it happen. And that's why you saw him this last week take, what, the longest sack in NFL history? Because he's, you know, trying to do that little roll back and escape move that he's done so many times before. So to have this quote-unquote bad game, and was it even really that bad? Because he comes back and throws for, for nearly 400 yards and two touchdowns. But having the bad game... I think that's going to motivate him a bit down the stretch as they go here, right? They've got three games left, and, you know, the Chiefs should, by all means, win those next three games en route to the playoff. This next week, they've got a backup quarterback uh, in Taysom Hill, potentially. I mean, Drew Brees could come back, but but it, right now it's feeling like they're leaning more towards Hill. So then after that, they, they face the Falcons, who... They're playing better, but they're not a great football team, right? So, heck, if they win the next two games and say the Steelers lose, you know, week 16, they could potentially sit guys in week 17 without risking the number one seed. So then you have a, a two, two-week two bye instead of uh, just the one week that they'd earn. So I feel like this could be that, that moment where Mahomes goes, okay, I didn't play that great. I'm going to kick it up a notch. He's he's taking it to Super Saiyan 4 on this next couple games, right? And it'll help him lock up the number one seed and, and make another run at the Super Bowl. And, and does that, you know, necessarily happen without him having a quote-unquote bad game? I will probably never know. But I feel like it can be a great motivator for him moving forward. What are your thoughts on the Chiefs officially clinching the AFC West division and controlling their own destiny for the top overall seed. 
obviously they they couldn't ask for a better situation right now because they're heading into arguably what the toughest game of their schedule right they're they're playing the new orleans saints who are tied for the best record in the nfc it, it didn't look so last week but they have a really tough defense one that that can cause teams some trouble and, and they're heading into this game with a little bit of weight off of their shoulders, right? They, they no longer have to keep pace with, with Pittsburgh, and they can afford to, to lose this game and not lose the number one overall seed because of the tiebreakers that they now hold over the Steelers. So, I mean, obviously, they, they play to win every game, okay? But that one thing has to be at the back of all of their minds, knowing that, hey, you know, if we if we slip up, if we have a bad week, then you know you're not going to lose that that number one overall seed. Things are going to be markedly easier moving forward if you win this week, uh, as I kind of mentioned before there. And, and then if the Steelers slip up again, you have some of that relief uh, that that if things get bad, you're you're covered, you're set. So uh, I I think that I mean obviously the AFC West what a tremendous thing for for Kansas City too. Uh, five consecutive seasons, the first time in franchise history uh, that they've won five consecutive. Really, before this run, they had never won back-to-back AFC West titles before in the entire franchise history. And now they have a chance next season, going into next season, to be the only team in AFC West history to win it for six straight seasons. I think they'll still have a pretty good chance because of how messed up everything has been uh, due to COVID-19, other teams aren't going to be as competitive when it comes to, you know, going out and getting these big name free agents and, and spending money. Uh, a lot of teams, they're going to see their, their pockets kind of hurting and the Chiefs still are going to have their core kind of intact. So, and they have a lot of draft picks going into the draft here. So that uh, is beneficial. One of the best scouting departments in football, as we've seen this year with the, the different undrafted free agents that they've been able to bring in and whatnot have contribute, you know, fifth round, fourth round draft picks coming in playing like top draft picks. Um, so, so they're doing a really good job in that area and keeping this team loaded with talent. So, I, I mean, the AFC West could be locked up. I mean, Patrick Mahomes already gives you a huge advantage, but the AFC West could be locked up for a number of years uh, if you're Kansas City and you just can't help but, but be so excited uh, as a fan of the team. What should the Chiefs do to get more consistent production in the running game? You know, unfortunately, I think this is going to be about as good as it gets for the Chiefs in the running game right now. And the problem is, oh, look, you're you're down two of five starters on, on, on the offensive line. Those are you've got uh, Austin Ryder and Eric Fisher. Those are your two guys who you know ahead of the season were projected starters and, and who are still playing right. You've got Ryder, who isn't even your best run-blocking center on the team. You already know that because a couple weeks that, that Kilgore had to start in his place, and he was just dominant in the run game. But he is the best in pass protection, which is why you keep him in there, because protecting Pat is the most important thing, right? So in 2019, you used to run behind the right side of your offensive line with Mitchell Schwartz and Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, but where are those guys right now, Right. Uh, Schwartz is on injured reserve and, and DuVernay Tardif opted out of the season. So you can't do that 
with the guys you have in there now. You got Andrew Wiley, Mike Remmers, Yasir Durant, right? Uh, though, let, let's give Andrew Wiley some credit. That dude has been a beast in the run game. I've seen some pancake blocks uh, week in and week out. And, and I know fans uh, beat him up sometimes for, for some slip-ups and pass pro, but he's 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 been good. He's had some moments. So, uh, But so you look to your left knowing that you really can't you know, get a lot of push on the right side there. And, and that's probably your best side right now uh, is the left side. It, it would have been better if you still had the big mauler like Kalichi Osemele, but he's out for the, the season. So you've got Nick Allegretti and Big Fish, my guy Eric Fisher. And, and let's not forget, you got no Lucas Yang either. He uh, not opted out of the season uh, at the beginning there. So there's only so much you can ask for the running game when you're down all of these top guys, right? And and frankly, I think the Chiefs are blessed to have such success running the ball and uh, protecting Patrick Mahomes given the situation they're in. But, you know, then it comes down to you need a yard in the run game and and they can't get a yard in the run game right now. And it sucks. You know, you're not going to do the quarterback sneak with Patrick Mahomes anymore after the whole knee fiasco in 2019 uh, with the with the kneecap thing, and you know you can't you can't run it. You know there's only so many times you can do a fullback dive or just run straight into the backs of your blockers and not get that one yard. I think the best thing they can do for the running game is to keep up the dominance in the passing game, right? Because teams will keep the box light, and that's when you'll have a chance to give the ball to Clyde edwards Elaire or Le'Veon Bell and and potentially gash him. Okay, but I'm not a big fan of taking the ball out of Mahomes hands right now. Right. I prefer that the team get the running backs involved in the passing game compared to handing the ball off because it keeps your best player involved in the play and it plays to the strength of your offensive line right now. So it's a win win type of situation. I I, I don't think you're going to see this word consistency out of the running game this season. I think that they've just got too many uh, different guys in there that maybe they didn't plan on having, or, you know, maybe uh, they're, they're not as strong as some of the other guys that they had in there previously in terms of run blocking, in terms of bringing that nasty. But um, I I think you're not going to see consistency this year. You're going to see spots. You're going to see spots where Le'Veon, you know, gashes them for a, a 11, 12 yards or where, Clyde, you know, does his thing and bounces off a couple tackles and keeps fighting for yards. But I don't think you're going to see the type of consistency where it's like, okay, we can get one yard every time we need it, right? Because usually when you know you need one yard, the defense is going to know too. So you have to be able to have guys that are on that that offensive line who can win those those one-on-one pushing and shoving matches there in the trenches and and yeah, frankly, the Chiefs just don't have enough of those guys right now, right? They they have the guys that where they can, you know, first, second down runs, they can make it happen. The third down run, the fourth down run, they're probably going to have to lean on the passing game moving forward. Do you expect Steve Spagnuolo to adjust the defense based on the Saints' choice at quarterback on Sunday? Yeah, now, obviously, you have to pair, prepare for uh, both guys, right? They, they did that last week with Tua Tagovailoa and uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. They basically had a whole defensive game plan for both guys. So they'll do that again this week for Drew Brees and Taysom Hill, even though 
from what everything that's come out so far, it sounds like Hill is going to be the guy that they are not rushing Breeze back. But we'll see. Could all be smoke and mirrors. We'll see. If it's Hill, I don't think you'll see Spags do anything that we haven't already seen this season with Lamar Jackson, you know, back in week three or preparing for but not eventually playing against Cam Newton in week four. It's been a minute, but really it's about the defensive line and linebackers being disciplined their reads, right? Because they're going to use some of that read option, the RPO stuff, things like that. Um, one thing I am concerned about right now with with Taysom Hill potentially being the quarterback they face is that Spags has been sending a lot of blitzes to create pressure and save for last week, they haven't really resulted in sacks, right? So you blitz Hill and don't get to him, you're going to have a bad time. He's athletic and fearless, and he'll take off on you if you give him just a shred of, of grass. He, he'll be gone. That's that's kind of his first, uh, his first thought. He sees that, that hole open up to his left or right side, and he's he's gone. And if there's not a linebacker or a spy somewhere close, it's going to be tough. So, again, I think that the defense, um, they got to be really disciplined. All right? And, and we love Spags, but he's got to make sure that he's getting the right play calls in and that he's putting his guys in the positions to succeed against a quarterback like this. I think if you're Kansas City, you try to make Taysom Hill beat you through the air. He's had some good throws this season, right? He's had good protection too, but he's also had some favorable outcomes and some tight coverage throws. And I think that the Chiefs have the secondary to challenge the Saints receivers in coverage, perhaps in a way that they haven't been challenged with Hill playing quarterback so far. So that's something to consider. Um, and, and I think that it's going to be a fun matchup, right? This, this is going to be a really good game. And, and the fact that really, you know, the Chiefs don't necessarily have to win. I, I think you're going to see some cool stuff and you're going to see them maybe make some risks, uh, take some risks and, and do some things maybe they haven't done before to see if they work. All right. It's, it's all a testing ground right now on the way to the playoffs uh, to see what you can and can't get away for, uh, get away with, um, especially in a game like this where you're going to lose it and you won't lose the one seed. Right. So, um, it, it, it'll be interesting to see what, what they come out with uh, on the defensive side of the ball, what they come out with on the offensive side of the ball. And lastly, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? We have tons of great stuff on Chiefs Wire this week. You'll hear it later, but my man Ed here, he did an interview with uh, Chiefs rookie running back Clyde edwards Elair, And uh, we've got the web version up on the website, but uh, keep listening to this episode, you'll hear that uh, at the end here. As always, we have a ton of content recapping the Chiefs' uh, Week 14 win over the Dolphins. One of my personal favorites uh, was Tyron Matthews' comments on Willie Gay Jr. Obviously a very popular uh, rookie among the fans, but hasn't had a lot of playtime so far. But uh, Matthew had some really great things to say about him, about his mindset, about his attitude, about the type of playmaker that he believes that that gay can be. So uh, check that story out if you missed it. We'll, we'll actually uh, in the comments uh, in the comments <laughs> in the article here have uh, have a link to that. 
We're rolling out a bunch of Saints preview content. Some came out yesterday. More is going to start coming out today. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and reading the website. Keep an eye out through the holidays. We're hoping to have a few more Chiefs Wire exclusives for you soon. And uh, you know what I always say at the end here? Go Chiefs! For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. Chiefs Wire Podcast, we are back. It's that time again. It's time for the Chiefs Wire Roundtable. I'm joined, as always, by Mitch Carney, Talon Graff. And uh, Mitch, I apologize. I can't just say Mitch Carney. I got to say official college graduate Mitch Carney. Congratulations, sir. Hey, thanks. I really appreciate it. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah. That's a big deal. Don't you stop that off, Mr. Carney. That's a <laughs> big you. deal. Thank yeah. you. That's off to you, sir. Well done. Thanks. I, thanks. I appreciate it. It's uh, It was a uh, – Good three and a half years at Missouri Southern. Happy to be here. I know uh, some of my professors listen to this, listen to this podcast. So I appreciate you guys' support the last four years, and uh, I'll, I'll miss y'all. So definitely, man, that's fantastic, man. Like I said, we we have to start the show off with something right, and that is the perfect way to start it. So congratulations and welcome to the real world, man. You know. It's yeah. too- <laughs> But, uh, you know, since we are in the real world, this is, this is some good things in this world that's happening, and that's the Chiefs being in first place in the AFC. You know, if the playoffs were to start today, Chiefs would have that bye after their victory over the Dolphins and then the Steelers falling um, to the Bills on uh, Sunday night. So Chiefs are on top right now, guys. Let's just start the show off right there. Mitch, since, like I said, you are the, uh, the man of the hour, how are you feeling knowing that the Chiefs finally have that number one seat and control their own destiny moving forward? Yeah, I feel really good about it. I mean, the biggest thing going into the playoffs was having that bye. And, you know, now that the Chiefs kind of control their own destiny and they can even lose to the uh, to the Saints or the Falcons as long as they beat the Chargers, they're going to be okay. Um, they have to split the Chargers for – not to split the Chargers. They had to split the Falcons or the Saints. But either way, they are in a pretty good position to get that number one seed, which is going to be huge. Um, anytime you get Andy Reid off a bye, especially in the playoffs, it's going to look really good for the Chiefs. They'll have a really good chance to win that game, whoever they play. Um, and in, in general, I don't think there's a team in the AFC that competes with the Chiefs right now. The Chiefs are just too good. I'm not buying into that Buffalo Bills hype. I knew the Steelers were kind of kind of worse than what their record shown. Um, and then I think the Bills really exposed them there. But it just really looks like the Chiefs are in a really good position to make a late playoff run and be uh, the AFC champions again for a second consecutive Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah 100% agree with everything. Um, yeah, no team really in the AFC sends any shivers down my spine. Um, I do think the Bills, they scare me a little bit. I think they're, you know, they're a good team, and, and it's always hard to beat an NFL team twice. And the fact that the Chiefs have already played the Bills make them a scary opponent for me in the playoffs. The yeah, Steelers, I think, very winnable. Uh, Titans, Browns, uh, you know, really any AFC playoff potential team, very, very beatable if you're the Chiefs. Um, so, yeah, 100% thrilled that they're sitting at the number one spot. Um, and, yeah, the fact that 
as Mitch was saying, between the Saints and the Falcons, if you're going to lose a game, that's that's one of the games to lose. And I I personally think it's going to be the Falcons. If if there's a lost game from here to the playoffs, it's going to be the Falcons. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm thrilled to death with where the Chiefs are right now. So, Tyler, can I ask you a quick question? One hundred percent. Yeah. On a scale from one through ten, how concerned are you with the Bills? Uh, I would right now I would give them like a seven. Um, I think it's the fact that they have played the Chiefs before. Um, so they have film on them. They know what different looks they can give in different sort of situations. Um, plus, I think the defense is playing really well, and Josh Allen just keeps getting better and better. Um, so I think the, whole, the, the Bills as a whole is just a very quietly good team that I, could, that I think could sneak up on somebody. Um, but I, I don't think it happens. I just – out of anybody, they're the, they're the team that I have my eye on. Yeah, and I guess I can agree with you on that. Um, I just – whenever I look at the Bills and I look at the Chiefs, I just think the Chiefs have just so much more talent on offense and then on defense. Like, I know our pass rush hasn't been as good, but you just look, like, look at what the Chiefs were able to do to them the last time they played. They just ran all over them. Um, so it looks like we didn't even, like, you know, bring out our best plays against them and do all this stuff because I just remember Clyde Edwards-Hilaire having one of his best games of the – best one of his best games of the year during that game, so – I'm curious what it would look like playing them again, but, you know, I think you, you're kind of in the same boat. If there's a team to be concerned about, it's the Bills, but I'm not really that concerned just because I do believe the Chiefs are a much better team when you put everything all together. Yeah, totally. And I can, I can definitely see the, the value in that 100%. I mean, Buffalo does look really good. I think we all could agree with that. Uh, the Chiefs, yeah, you know, when, you, when you're in a situation now where they are – it's pretty much – I don't want to say a lock. We're going to see what happens this Sunday. But if they are indeed the number one seed and you see a team like the Bills, you kind of want to hope that you only have to see them in the AFC title game. And I just feel like when you when you look at the AFC, and yes, not a lot of teams scare you, but there are also a good number of teams that are – they are they, they're pretty um, – they're pretty good in terms of value and what they can bring to the table. And we just saw that this past Sunday with the Dolphins – came in at eight and four. They have a big upside and a great defense and a lot of different things that could cause issues. So let's, let's actually uh, look back at that game against the Dolphins. Were you guys a little surprised by the performance from Patrick Mahomes with the three interceptions? And uh, Talon, I'm going to start with you on this. Yeah, did not see that coming. Um, but he is human, and it was bound to happen eventually. At some point, it was going to be like he's going to have just like a terrible day. And I do consider this to be Patrick Mahomes' terrible day. He still went for over, like, nearly 400 and two touchdowns. Yeah, the three picks, they were bad. They look bad in the stat sheet. The screen pass to CEH that was overthrown, I 100%, I put that on Mahomes. But the other two, um, you know, it's like that Xavier Howard one was just unreal. An unbelievable play. And then, um, so it's kind of hard to fault Mahomes on that one. It was maybe in a may have been a touch underthrown, but it it is what it is. The cornerback made a heck of a play. And then the, the the other one with I think Van Ginkle is the one that swatted it away. But he was on the ground and he made a hustle play to get up and bat it. You can't really fault Mahomes too much on that one. That was just a hustle play by Van Ginkle. So yeah, there. And it sounds like I'm making just excuse after excuse for this guy, but you know, be. It is what it is for me. I think he had a really good day, but yeah, there, it's not like he played perfectly by any means. 
Yeah, um, I think Patrick Mahomes is the only guy whose worst game he's ever had is still better than, like, the majority of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, just like Talon said, he's threw for almost 400 yards, still two touchdowns. Um, really bad first quarter. Took that really bad, bad sack, too, but that's something we really just don't see from him very often. We don't see him throw these interceptions very often, so I'm not concerned at all. I'm sure nobody's really concerned about it, but, yeah, it was just kind of weird to see him, you know, have that many mistakes, you know, back to back to back. I think it was like all, it was all in the first quarter. The first two interceptions were in that sack, but for the most part, like he had a pretty good game. Like he was pretty, pretty on point for like between quarters two and three. And then I think quarter four is when he threw that third interception, but that was just a great play, great play by Howard. So can't really complain too much, but I just, like I said, I just feel like his worst game is still better than the majority of other quarterbacks, quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks, his games in the NFL. Which is really scary to think about. And, you know, we talk about how good the Chiefs are, that Mahomes throws three interceptions. And at one point in that game, I believe they were up by three scores. So it just lets you know how good this team could be on both sides of the football. And just looking at another thing, um, I've talked about this every week, but Travis Kelsey, like, I don't think, we, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this from the tight end position. The guy's leading the, he's leading the league in receiving yards and – it's crazy, and I don't know if you guys noticed, but he had the same stat line this past week as he did the week prior to that. So he had back-to-back weeks with the same exact stat um, stats. I, I've never seen that before. What do you think, in, in terms of now I'm just like being hypothetical, but that's the only way you could talk about Travis Kelsey. What can the Chiefs do in order just to conserve him maybe just a little bit as they head into the playoffs? Because uh, – a guy like this, you need him in a lineup so much. He makes up for so many issues that you could have per game. What can he do to just kind of keep him safe for the, for the next couple of games during a regular season? Uh, Mitch, what do you think? That's a really hard question because, like, the Chiefs use him up in the middle of the field so often. Like, he's such a big part of the offense. Like, if you take him out, like, I know you still got Tyreek Kill, you still got Sam, you still got some weapons, but – He's just as important to this offense as Patrick Mahomes is, I would say. Or maybe just like slightly under him. Because without him, I don't think the Chiefs are uh, 12 and 1 or 13 or 13 and 1, wherever they're at right now. But they're not as good as an offense or as good as a team whenever he's not playing. So just the fact that he's been able to play in all these games, hasn't really missed a snap, is super impressive. Um, but I don't, I, one, I don't really want them to take him out because I want him to break that record uh, for the uh, most yards by tight end in a season. And also, I just don't – I think this team just gets worse without him. Um, but if they're wanting to conserve him, if that's the thing, uh, you know, especially since we only need to split these games with the uh, with the Falcons and the Saints, maybe giving him a, a rest game where he's just not playing as much, give more snaps to Nick Kaiser, um, some of our backup tight ends that just haven't got a lot of time playing, um, you know, get them ready for the playoffs. Because I think that's important too. Because there's going to be times where maybe the Chiefs are relying on Nick Kaiser to make a catch on third down, and he's got to be able to make that catch instead of knocking it down, you know. Or, uh, you know, he, I know he had some fumble, fumbling problems in the beginning of the year. So maybe giving Travis Kelsey a rest game, especially if we don't need to play Week 17, just letting him rest or letting him rest against the uh, Saints or Falcons. And, you know, I think that would also give an opportunity for Kaiser to get ready and, you know, maybe have a more prepared player for the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> man, you, you don't do anything. You don't touch the man. You don't change a thing. You leave everything the way it is. Um, he's too good. He's and, and Mitch said it. He's too important to this offense to where if you take him out, 
you change everything and and it's it becomes much more than just well we're sitting travis no you got to alter game plans you got to alter uh you know practice um practice plan there's so much that goes into not playing a, a player like kelsey that plays such a vital role in that offense that just you don't do it you don't touch it you you don't mess with it um it'd be like the it'd be like the Packers going to Devontae saying, well, we're going to start resting you. It's like, no, you know, you don't do that to one of your best players. And yeah, he plays tight end and just, it seems odd because he's, you know, that, that position, if he's a receiver, this conversation isn't being had. This conversation isn't being had with Tyree kill. It's because he's a tight end, but is he really a tight end? No, he's our possession receiver. That's exactly what he is. Um, He just happens to be, a lot bigger and a lot stronger than most possession receivers. So I don't know for me, I don't, I don't want them to touch a thing. This thing is rolling so perfectly right now. If you, if you try to mix it up or try to change it up for preparation, of the playoffs, I think you're, you're ruining your playoff chances because once you start altering that and get players out of rhythms and, and all of a sudden you got to get them back into get, you know, I, eh, for me, I, I'm not touching it. Leave everything as is. Hey, Talon, I 100% get where you're coming from, but my concern and the reason why I bring it up is, like you just said, he's a tight end. You know, a tight end, he's getting physical every game. Um, it, it, we all know how it is in sports. It takes one bad, one bad situation, and then we're, we're having a different conversation. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's just one of those things where does it hurt to say, I'm not saying sit him for the game, but, like, to, to lower his snap count just a little bit, you know? Like, when you have a game, just as Mitch was saying, and, like, let's say they clinch out the number one seed, there's only one game left, we're not playing him the entire game. I just can't see Travis Kelsey playing the full four, uh, four periods. It just, doesn't, it just doesn't make sense for the long run. I know he's a football player, and, and I, I get it, but you do not want to take that risk, especially for a guy that means so much to your offense. But uh, I think you, you might have a rebuttal on this town. I mean, I I can see where you're coming from 100%. Like, I get it. I just I just don't – I don't agree. I don't like that philosophy. I, I'm not saying it's wrong. I just don't like it. I think, you know, when you got a team rolling like the Chiefs and things are just going and gelling, you know, why try to fix what's not broken? Like, if Kel- – like, I, I, and I don't even want to put Juju out there, so I'm not even going to, like – say what I was about to say but worst possible situation if something happens it's going to happen like whether we play him 80% of the offensive snaps versus 60 if it's going to happen it's just going to happen in my opinion it's just, that, to me that's just how I don't know I you take your chances one way or the other I just uh, I, I understand where it comes from 100% it's probably it, it, it might actually be the smarter way to go in, in all honesty but for me, I just uh, – I don't like it. I, I, I want to see Kelsey in there. That that makes the Chiefs the best team. Yeah, and just to add on to kind of like what Talon's saying, because I'm kind of in the middle here. Like, I'm okay with resting if it means, like, hey, we already got the number one seed, you know, locked up and maybe getting some, our, some of our younger players ready, like Kaiser and stuff like that. But whenever you talk about uh, Ed, like, hey, like one bad play can make a difference. Like, well, if you talk like that, you might as well sit the whole offense because, like, if we lose Mahomes to one bad play or Hill to one bad play, like, it's just as bad. So, like, I get where you're coming with that. Kelsey plays tight ends, a little bit more dangerous role just because he's, you know, in the middle of the field and, you know, he can get hit. It's a little bit more physical. But, you know, if you talk about, hey, one bad play, you might as well talk about the whole offense and we should be sitting the whole offense, which is something that probably the Chiefs will do if they have that number one seed uh, clinched by week 17. So, 
and that's exactly what I'm thinking. And and let's not forget, um, week 17 last year, remember what happened? We lost Juan Thornhill. So it's just, even though they were able to still win the Super Bowl, that was a big loss in terms of the secondary. And I just think about, it's football. You know, it's a contact sport no matter what. If you can limit the opportunities of something happening, especially when it's a game that doesn't matter, that's what gets me. If the game just doesn't matter in terms of your standing, then rest him. But talent, I get you 100%. I understand where you're coming from. Like I said, I just threw that question in there because I knew it was going to be a, a tough one to figure out. But um, Yeah, and, and 100% totally get it. Now, if we're in, in sitting the entire starters, that's a whole other conversation. Um, if that's the case, and whatever, I'm all for it. But yeah, just, just sitting, Kelsey, yeah, I don't know about that. But yeah, I, this is a good topic. I like it. I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I can throw a couple of them in there. You never know, man. Um, speaking of uh, interesting uh, situations, and, you know, the Dolphins win – it was good, but there was a, it was a worry towards the end as the Dolphins started to make their comeback. And a, a player that was a concern for me was uh, Anthony Hitchens and, you know, playing at linebacker. I don't know, maybe we haven't noticed it over the last couple of weeks, but it wasn't a good performance at all. Should there be some concern now? We haven't talked about the linebackers in a while, and that was always the, uh, the worry going into the season. But should there be some concern with the way the linebackers have been playing? And uh, Talon, we'll start with you on this. Well, Hitchens, wasn't he banked up against uh, who the week before the Dolphins? Wasn't he playing hurt? Or am I mistaken? But whatever it was. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought Willie Gay looked good. I thought Willie Gay played a nice game. Um, so I think they have something there. But – as a whole, I think the defense just got worn out. You know, they played so well early. Um, it seemed that, you know, they were playing with a lot of enthusiasm. Um, and then as the game went on, they, they seemed to have trouble getting off the field on third downs. And that last drive of the Dolphins, you know, it, it actually became interesting. Yeah, the defense just they, – they, they look defeated. They look beat. They look tired. So that kind of stuff, that worries me more than just like a specific position group. Um, at, at this point in the season, you're kind of rolling. You, you, you know what you have. And, um, you know, at this point, everybody's kind of beat up. So everybody's kind of playing through injuries. So um, in terms of that, I'm not really worried. Nothing's going to change drastically from here to there unless there's just like a serious injury. But what I'm worried about is, is just how the defense as a whole looked and kind of worn down throughout the contest. I would like that to not be an issue um, moving forward. Yeah, just on Anthony Hitchens, um, I thought he also had a little injury bug during that uh, Dolphins game. But, I mean, I know Anthony Hitchens has his flaw, but I know he's still considered one of those leaders on the defense. He he puts everybody in the right spots, and I do think he has some good plays, but that comes along with the bad. Um, you know, and I also remember uh, just in the linebacker positions, Damian Wilson missed that game. And, uh, you know, I kind of thought Gay was going to get a little bit more snaps, but instead they kind of opted for Ben Neiman, who I just – I'm not really for sure what his really role is on the team. I feel like every time I see him out there, he's either getting burned or missing tackles or something like that. So I'd like to see Willie Gay get more snaps. I know Tyron Matthew kind of said something about how he really thinks Willie Gay is going to be a big contributor moving forward. Um, so I kind of hope that's sooner sooner than later, especially if Wilson's injury continues to linger on and he gets re-hurt or if this isn't 100% in the playoffs, I'd really like to see Gay start to get more of a – get some more snaps and be more of a contributor to this defense just because 
coming out of this draft, I thought he was going to be a really good linebacker, and I already thought he was going to be a starter, you know, maybe halfway through the season, but we just still just haven't seen him really take that next step yet. So I think this would be a good opportunity and a good time to maybe get him more, uh, get him more snaps. That was the most politically correct analyzation of Ben Neiman I've ever heard. (laughs) I love it. Oh, I loved it. I loved every second of it. But, uh, yeah, that was actually pretty well said. I'm pretty sure he appreciates it as well, you know, if he's listening right now. And uh, my reason for jumping on Anthony Hitchens, at least this week, is because of the two penalties. And, you know, I'm such a – and I think, Talon, you feel the same way about this. I'm not a fan of roughing calls. You know, like, you got to know better than that in terms of roughing the passer. And then also uh, defensive pass interference, you know, that obviously was a reason for the uh, the late touchdown by the Dolphins. Plays like that, I don't even think that has to do with injury. That's just that's just not making a play. I don't know. Could I be wrong there? I'm, I'm open to discussion on that. Was I, am I being a little too strict when it comes to that? No, I don't think so. I think that just comes down to discipline and, and kind of what I was alluding to with the um, you know, being worn out. When you're tired and the other guy's just out playing you, that's when you start grabbing. That's when you start holding. Your, your, instant, your, your basic instincts start to kick in over your, you know, what, you, what you're trained to do. So, yeah, I think it all, all just kind of goes hand in hand. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. But we can say some good things, obviously, about the defense. The defensive line stepped up. You know, we called them out the last couple of weeks. Frank Clark. Chris Jones made some big plays. Were you uh, happy to see that talent in terms of uh, Jones and Clark finally getting pressure on the quarterback? Yeah. Yeah. I was pleased to see them kind of step up a little bit, but (laughs) I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm just overly critical of them too. And I'm, I'm not trying to be, but I want to give a shout out to Mike Dana. Like he played a hell of a game. Um, Actually the, from my weekly deal, I had him be, he was my defensive player of the week. So the fact that him and Legereus need like those, those young rookie pieces. Yeah. I'm thrilled to death to see Mike Dana and see what he can create for this defensive line because he played such a good, good role. And, and he, he played, he made so many different plays that teams are going to have to start focusing on him, which will open up things for Clark and Jones for them to beat one-on-one guys, which obviously they struggle with double teams. So if you add Dana in there that can take away those double teams, then yeah, uh, that opens so much up for, for Jones and Clark. Yeah, can we just give a quick shout-out to Brett Veach? I feel like he just killed the draft this year. Like, he got Dana, Nigeria Sneed, and then he also got Tershawn Wharton, who's an undrafted free agent. Uh, Sneed and uh, Dana are both late-round draft picks. So, like, just the fact that he was able to find these, you know, these contributors that way in the draft is just super impressive. So just a quick shout-out to him. But just in the uh, overall uh, pass rush thing, yeah, it was really good to see Jones and Frank Clark, you know, be able to you know, finally get to the quarterback. It'll be inter- interesting to see if they're able to keep this up uh, going into, you know, the last part of the season and the postseason, which I have no doubt in my mind that once the postseason starts, they'll, they'll have the motivation and, you know, and the will to get to the quarterback. But, um, you know, it was nice to see, you know, they were able to do it against a rookie quarterback who maybe not be um, – as well trained to take on a pass rush as good as them. So it'd be interesting to see. I don't know if Drew Brees is playing or not this week, but if Drew Brees is playing, um, you know, he's probably going to be getting rid of the ball quick rather than Tim or Taysom Hill back there. But either way, I really want to see them, you know, 
continue this type of pressure and be able to get the quarterback. If not, I feel like we're just wasting wasting almost two hundred million dollars on the dif- on the defensive line. Well, Mitch, you just set up the perfect segue because that's exactly what I was going to talk about. We don't know who the starting quarterback is for the Saints this Sunday. There are some rumors that Breeze is making progress and he's talking, saying has a lot of motivation because he wants to go against Mahomes. But then you also have Taysom Hill, who is, you know, he could be uh, a variety of things. The guy could be great or he could be horrible, but he also has something that Breeze doesn't have, and that's the ability to run. So I'm going to just put out there for you guys. Who would you rather face at this point? A beat-up Drew Breeze coming off an injury or Taysom Hill, who has the ability to scramble out the pocket? Mitch, what are your thoughts? I almost want to go with a uh, with a Drew Brees. I know that's kind of disrespectful to him because, you know, he's one of the all-time greats, but um, I think the Chiefs will have a better chance against him just because I know he's not going to be 100% ready. I mean, he, the guy broke like eight ribs. Like, there's no way that he's 100% ready to go. Um, if he did, if he is, that's incredible. But, um, you know, I think to take away that running ability, which is something that Chiefs kind of struggle with sometimes, is stopping the run, especially if the quarterback is mobile. Um, and also – I don't really think Drew's arm is as good as what it has been in the past. It's definitely – he definitely can't throw the ball down the field like he has the last couple – like, you know, when he was younger. Um, so I think that kind of takes that threat away. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing and the, the biggest key to this game is just stopping Kamara um, because if he gets his hand on the ball, I really think that he's going to tear this Chiefs defense up. But if I had to pick a quarterback, I don't really think it matters. But I'd rather just go with Brees just because I don't think he's going to be ready. I don't think he's – um, I, I just think he's a little too old and he's a little too hurt right now. And I think Hill just has a certain dynamic right now with just a younger quarterback who, uh, you know, who can run and, you know, sometimes can make the big throw. Um, I just I'd rather go with uh, somebody who I don't think has the physical attributes to beat the Chiefs. Yeah, man, I'm 100% all in. I would much rather face Taysom Hill. Uh, yeah, Drew Brees. Playing hurt or not, you know, if he's able to go, yeah, he he's still Drew Brees. You know, he can still read a defense. He can still, uh, you know, throw a ball to where his his it's it's the little things that Drew Brees brings to the table, like throwing the receiver open on a hitch play versus where Taysom Hill's putting it. You know, it's it's the difference in like a first down and and like a three yard catch. <clears throat> it's little things like that that make me scared of Drew Brees and the fact that yeah, Taysom Hill. You know, it, it doesn't seem like the four, or the 49ers. It doesn't seem like the Saints have really fallen off much since Drew Brees went down. But, man, you know, you, the, the defense held the Falcons to nine points. They held the Broncos to three. And then they held the Falcons again in, in a three-week span to, to, to 16. So it's not like Taysom Hill's having to have these huge stat lines. The defense has been playing absolutely lights out. But then, you know, the defense allows – 24 points to, to the Eagles, and now the Saints you know, losing to one of the worst NFC teams. So, to me, I, I, I think there's much more to the story than, well, Drew Brees is playing hurt. It's it, it, it's still Drew Brees. And, and, and I would, yeah, 100%, my, my, my answer to the question is I, I want to play. You know what? As tough as that is, I'd rather face a, a beat-up Drew Brees. I mean – it's a guy like you were just saying, Mitch, eight broken ribs and, you know, he's just beat up. He's not a young guy. Like, this isn't a guy that's just going to bounce right back. He's going to be, if he does play, like, 
He's going to be playing with all different type of protection. Uh, it, it won't be the same for him. And, and I just feel like any type of pressure on him would be, uh, would be enough for the Chiefs to win that game. So I would rather go with a guy that's beat up and in his 40s than play a younger, you know, a guy by Taysom Hill who could also run around and make, make plays scrambling. So that, that's the way I would go with that one. But be honest with you, there's no real wrong answer. You know, like the, the, the Chiefs defense has to be ready. And a guy they really have to be ready for is Alvin Kamara, who I think we really need to discuss. We always talk about the Chiefs in terms of going against great running backs. How do you match up? How do you think the Chiefs match up against a guy like Alvin Kamara? And uh, Talon, we'll come back to you on this. Yeah, it's all about scheme. When when you got to play a guy like Kamara, um, he, he's a guy that they want to get into space. You know, he's he's a good between the tackle runner, and they have a good offensive line. Um, but that's a guy that you still want to get. You know, the extended handoff, the screen plays, the the you know the short little wildcat plays, stuff like that. So I think what you have to do, you just have to have the right players in the right spots. And you have to scheme it up, and and you know if you have guys if Dorian Daniels good to go uh if you have guys like Dan Sorensen who are good tacklers in space guys like that you, you play with you know a lot more nickel and dime packages and really you know linebacker packages run stopping packages even though he plays running back you want to get those guys that are good in space and and, and a little lighter on their feet um because it, it's the thumper guys that Kamara can expose. So for me, it's all about scheme and packages and, and, and defensive depth. That that's how you stop Kamara. Yeah, Thomas, you know, definitely right there. I just feel like the Chiefs have struggled all season to stop, uh, you know, these really athletic running backs in space and even these, you know, these tight ends in space. So I just feel like that fits Kamara's game perfectly. Like they're just going to try to get him out in space and then. I don't think our linebackers and even some of our safeties are going to be able to keep up with them. I just, I think if there's any player that's going to have a really big game uh, this Sunday in this game, it's definitely going to be him. I think this is, you know, a perfect situation for him, but you know, it's just going to take a really good coaching effort by the chiefs defense to, to slow him down and keep him from, you know, having a hundred yards or even, you know, even keeping him below 150. It's going to take a really good coaching effort in our, our linebackers and, you know, Daniel Sorensen and our other safeties just going to have to be, be playing their best football. It will definitely be a challenge. So, guys, is that time? It is time to pick a winner as well as the final score. So, Mitch, I'm going to come right back to you. Who wins this game and what's the score? I got the Chiefs winning in a close one. Um, I think the Saints defense is playing well enough that they kind of catch the uh, Chiefs offense kind of on guard. Uh, I bet the Chiefs offense is honestly too good. They're going to be able to at least put up 25, 26 points. So, I've got the Chiefs winning 27 to 23. Um, it's close, uh, but the Chiefs kind of pull it off right there at the end. Man, I don't know. I, call me crazy, but I feel like this is going to be a blowout. Like, I, the, the the Saints defense has been putting so much on the field that I think they're just going to come into this game worn out. You know, you allow 24 points to Jalen Hurts and, and an offense that's really been struggling, and yeah, it's a boost. You know, it's a new quarterback. Everybody's kind of energized by that, but it's still a rookie quarterback. And that's Jalen Hurts. This is Patrick Mahomes. This is Tyra Kill. This is Travis Kelsey. Like, that defense is good. Do not get me wrong. They're going to be an issue in the playoffs for any NFC team. But right now, they're so worn out from having to, to hold teams to under 14 points in Drew Brees' absence. I think this is just going to – I don't know. In, in my opinion, I, I might be wrong, but I think this is going to be a huge Chiefs blowout. 
And I think we're looking at a 31 to 10 victory for the Chiefs. You know, it's going to be close. Well, it's not going to be a blowout, but I feel like it'll be a little closer than that. Uh, at the end of the day, this is still, you know, it's still New Orleans. They, they still find ways to score. They still, that defense is much improved. I feel like it's going to be a lot closer than we're giving them credit for. And I'm going to say Chiefs 27. And I'm going to go 27-17. I'm going with that. 27-17 Chiefs. Just going to keep it within that 10-point range. You might see a little more Harrison Bucker action in this one. All right. So um, we actually have some uh, breaking news. Uh, Marcus Kemp was waived uh, earlier today and in terms of the day that we are recording. So now there is an open spot on the roster. Are you guys have any predictions on who would fill that spot? Uh, Mitch, what do you think? I'm trying to think of any big-name free agents right now, but I can't really think of any. Um, so I really have no idea. Hopefully it's somebody somebody good and they can make a, an impact right away, but I can't really think of anybody that's a free agent. I mean, the first name that comes to my mind is Kenny Stills. I don't know if they're looking to add wider – I don't know. But in terms of, like, Kenny guys Stills that are even agent? available, that would be my – unless they're looking to promote Baker, I don't know. Yeah, I was thinking it could be Baker as well. And, you know, the reason why I bring this up and why this is a thing, isn't it about a, a year ago uh, around that time when the uh, Chiefs made a, a pretty significant, a significant signing for their playoff run? So it could happen again. And, um, you know, it just I found it a little interesting that Marcus Kemp was waived around this time. But it could be DeAndre Baker. That's a big possibility. I've been hearing a lot of talk out of him that he's looked pretty good in the uh, practices. So. We shall see, but it, it will be a uh, a very interesting thing to to really look forward to. And I can't think – you said Kenny Stills, Talon? Yeah, the former Texans receiver. He was waived, uh, and he cleared waivers, I feel like, maybe even a week ago. And I don't think he's been picked up. And that was kind of a big thing. They, they, they mutually parted ways, the Texans and Stills, so he could seek uh, a, a contender was what the headline read. So he cleared waivers and he's, he's a free agent. So I don't, I don't know why nobody's picked him up, but maybe this is that. I don't know. Well, I heard that there might have been a possibility of steroids that he could be facing suspension. Oh, was that, was that him? I thought that was a Will Fuller. Oh, Will Fuller. I apologize. See, I already getting people mixed up. Yes. No, you're, I, and maybe I'm getting mixed. I I, th- I thought that was Will Fuller, yeah. though. I, I think I think you're it's right, Will Fuller. Talon. Yeah, you're you're 100 right, Talon. Talon, you're 100 correct. Yeah, I I was thinking Will Fuller, but Kenny Stills, two totally different situations. So Kenny Stills, if you're listening, I'm not throwing dirty a name. Okay, that was a <laughs> that was definitely a mistake. But uh, we shall see. And obviously, this Sunday is the big game, Chiefs. You know, you want to get this win because you said, as you were saying, Mitch, this win right here, you want to split the uh, two NFC um, NFC teams? Mitch? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Sorry, I didn't realize that was a question. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. Yeah, like it, I think it's pretty obvious we need to split these games. And, you know, if we can win both, that's that's even better. But, um, yeah, if we as long as we split these games and beat the Chargers, uh, we're looking good, looking good for that number one seed. All right, so that's the motivation going into everything, and we'll see how it goes down. So for Mitch Carney, Talon Graff, I'm Ed Easton. Catch us next week, and let's see if we're talking about another Chiefs victory. (laughs) 
Okay, Clyde, how's it going? This is uh, Ed Easton from Chiefs Wire USA Today. Hey, how you doing? Doing good, doing good, man. Uh, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, just wanted to uh, ask you, uh, what, how does it feel to be a part of the USAA Salute the Service uh, virtual lounge this year? Oh, it's uh, <laughs> it's an amazing feeling. It's, uh, you know, it's something, it's something that I've always wanted to do growing up. And and seeing you know that USA was a was a partner with the NFL, and then just knowing that you know USA uh, ultimately insured, was been in, been insuring my entire life, uh, you know since since I can remember that's that's been the insurance uh, policy that, that that my family's been under since since I can remember. So it's been a it's, it's pretty special for me. Your teammate, uh, Eric Fisher, is uh, actually the nominee from the Chiefs for the Salute Service Award. Have you got a chance to speak with him at all about it and maybe even give you some uh, extra advice for the Chalk Talk? Um, we haven't we haven't spoke uh, directly about it. I kind of I, I kind of uh, congratulated him. Um, our, our, our lockers are right by each other, so uh, as soon as I found out, I congratulated him about him, and, and we. Uh, We've always had just stories. As soon as I came in, we had some military stories. We we shared back and forth just between family members. So, Fish uh, and I kind of had that bond from the beginning. So, uh, but that was that was pretty cool, cool from the start. So, um, other than that, now nah, he hasn't he hasn't given me any pointers. I think uh, for for the shop talk tomorrow. So, I just uh, you know handling and, and go in you know with as much confidence as possible. Sounds good, man. You're going to do great. Uh, I just want to ask, uh, after 13 games so far, you've gained over 1,000 all-purpose yards from scrimmage. How's the adjustment been from the college game to the NFL so far? Um, I can say for me it's been overall pretty smooth. I say the the, the hardest transition was um, just getting acquainted to uh, just the way – the play calling was was happening when I first got into camp. Uh, that was the that was, I feel like that was the biggest difference and just understanding all the the, the ins and outs of checks and play calls uh, before the plays. That was a uh, that was something that was big on, on learning for me. Um, but but other than that, you know, once that once once the ball is pretty much flying around and and going, you know, it's, it's all it's, it's back to playing football, back to being instinctive. I definitely hear that. Um, can you let us know, like, how does it feel? Um, obviously, Le'Veon Bell joined the team um, around mid-season. Have you learned anything or had some conversations from Bell uh, since he's joined the team? Oh yeah, uh, being able to just, you know, just just pick his brain here and there, just you know, understanding uh, as, as many years as, as Le'Veon's been in the league, uh, you know, he's seen probably thousands of things that I have, you know, haven't seen and, and probably will see in the future. So just just picking his brains uh about little things on and off the field, uh just just how to handle situations on and off the field and then most importantly just how to handle competition between each other. You know, we we we're you know teammates but we still still have to be competitive. So that's the best part about it. Right, I understand. And um uh, I don't know if you probably get asked this a lot, but in regards to uh, playing alongside Patrick Mahomes, could you describe his leadership? Because we all see from the outside how he is, but how is he in terms of practice and, and even just setting up for a game as a leader? 
Um, he's a like a um, you know, I've said before, Patrick Patrick is a is a person who's who 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 dots his eyes and, and crosses his T's, you know, every second, every step. Um, you know, Pat comes in, he's the you know, he's the first person in the facility and, and he's the last one out. He's always preparing um to be the best that he possibly can no matter the situation. Um, you know, I every time I I, I, I look back at Pat before a game, you know, in, in his locker He's sitting there, you know, in his playbook, still, still looking at things as, you know, right before we go out. So, just his his leadership in a way that that he he strives to be perfect, um, you know, it, it, it trickles down and and then it, it you know it continues to make everybody else uh, want to be that much more better. Okay, and uh, another quarterback that you know very well, uh, Joe Burrow. He had suffered an unfortunate injury about two weeks ago. Have you been in contact with him uh, recently? Uh, yeah, I talked to him, but I, I haven't talked to him uh, after his surgery. I talked to him before the surgery. He's been, uh, I know he's been doing some some rehab and whatnot, but other than that, I haven't I haven't talked to him recently uh, since since after his surgery. Okay, and. I have asked, um, obviously, you've been off to such a great start in your career. What do you believe is the uh, next level you could take in terms of your talents, and um, what do you think it's going to take to get there as you're on this postseason run? Um, you know, just just understanding that it's, it's something that I can get better at each and every day, and, and that's that's something that I challenge myself. Uh, I challenge myself to do uh, no matter what. Um, I can always, you know, find something – some games, some practice uh, to get better, um, and e- even if it's the same things over and over again, being being perfect at one thing will make me, uh, you know, uh, overall a better back. So I just continue to do the little things better each day. Clyde, thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time. Mm-hmm.